Hello, good evening, and a merry they don't make them like they used to evening to you on the day on which I walked around the hospital and had a very pleasant conversation with a gentleman who can only be described as a character. <laughs> so yeah, this is a guy, Roy Proughton, in St. Helens Ward, and here is a little blast of Roy for you today. Uh, Roy Proughton, P-R-O-U-T-E-N. Proughton. Yeah, now, they, they, Proughton is an incredibly famous name. You've never heard of it? No, I haven't. No, we come from a long line of smugglers and pirates. <laughs> you know the old British Shanklin? Yeah. Right? Well, if you ever it that way, go down the chine. Yep. And down the bottom, believe it or not, there's a, a pub called the Smugglers Inn. I've been in it. You, that's it, right? Well, in 1627, two Proutons were running that. Roy, if you're listening, that was fun. And, oh, yeah, I mean, he just went on and on about all sorts of stuff about the island and stuff about when he grew up on ships. It was it was actually a real, real blast speaking to him. He remembers as far back as 16-something. That's <laughs> quite good going. Well, yeah, I think I think that that's just a good family, good family, um, what's the word, heritage thing kind of going. I think it described them, I described them as, a, as an island... I described him as an island dynasty, and he didn't. He didn't try and um, he didn't try and correct me. He was kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's what we are. So, um, right. Anyway, as you just heard, with me in the studio today are Sean, hi, yeah, and Joe. Good evening. And uh, we have cast our minds back in time and our eyes over what Hollywood had to offer, and we've come up to some gems, all of all, you know, some gems, some all-time stone cold classics. So, Sean, this week, could you please tell us what you have picked? Okay, this week I've um, picked a 1932 film, uh, Tarzan the Ape Man, with uh, Johnny Weissmiller as Tarzan. Ah, cool. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, um, before we talk about that, I actually spoke to Roy about this because I, I said, oh, this is the first we're going to talk about. And Roy came up with, he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. And this is what he had to say of his memories of Tarzan the Ape Man. And um, the other one is Tarzan the Ape Man. Yeah, well, which one's that? Is, that? is that the very early one? I think we just. I think it's the Johnny Wisemiller one. Oh yeah, well that was that was his, probably his first one then. Yeah. When I was a, a lad, we used to watch uh, Johnny Wisemiller regular. That was when I was a boy. Uh, do you remember? Uh, do you remember anything about them? Do you, did you like the films? Or what? Oh yeah, we loved them. It was just right in those days. But of course, when in modern days, when you realise, you see one now though, it's all done in studios. You know, they're, they're not in Africa. The latest Tarzan films, they did go to, you know, on, you know but, uh, at least someone with a real treat. Yeah, but uh, Johnny Weismore, you see, back in those days, they, Hollywood had studios, Dane Street. You had a Western in one studio and a drama in another and Tarzan in another. Yeah. Yeah, you know. And, uh, you know, they, uh, we, when we were nippers, we, we saw a lot of films. Uh, what was it? Newport in those days had three cinemas. And the programs changed. They went Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Changed Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And then on Sunday, they'd have a different one again. Oh, wow. But the Sunday ones were always an old one they brought back. And when I was a lad, I used to go to the cinema four times a week. <laughs> so there he is talking about Tarzan and talking about going to the cinema four times a week. I mean. I can't even imagine doing that now. I mean, what, what about you guys? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I do do that sometimes, actually. Um, I still go four times a week. Um, but uh, I remember, I guess that was the only way of entertainment because there, there wasn't any TV as such. And so the main entertainment would have been the cinemas. And, and I remember my father saying that he would nearly go five five times a week. And oh, that's wow. what they do every night. He used to take take his sister or my auntie and they, they'd go, he said it, there was a cinema like every hundred yards. He said, um, there was any, give me all the names of the Astoria, the Electric, the Roxy, the ABC, the Continental. The, and, and he said, you could get to a cinema so easy. And because that's where you used to go. And they'd show uh, B film, cartoon, yeah, news trailers, and then the, the main feature. Yeah. And so like the whole evening was taken up. So I guess that was their entertainment for the evening. Yeah, yeah, because when you think about it, what he, even when he was saying, he was talking about Newport. So being on the Isle of Wight, you have Newport, which is the biggest town, I guess you could say. Although I think Rock Ride might be bigger. But he said it had three cinemas. Now we have like 
essentially one cinema one for cinema. the entire island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was just thinking, really, three cinemas? What, 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 what would have happened there? <laughs> <laughs> and I, th- I think it was, well, it was like, a, you know, as I say, it would be an evening out, so you'd probably go about seven and you wouldn't get home till half ten, eleven, with all the, you know, with the two films and, and all the extras that go with it. Oh, wow. So... Yeah. Sounds like sounds like it was a lot more. Well, I think this thing that I keep coming back to on this show that it just sounds like it was a lot more of an event in it, those days going to the cinema. I think it was, yeah, I think it was. And uh, the, the each cinema would put a would, would would make a bigger deal about putting on a show to actually make sure that you got like yeah. bang for your buck. So as opposed to just watching the film, you got an experience of being in the place. That's it. And um, my dad was saying that it, that you know they'd show much the same. They'd have the film on for about three days, and then it would move to another cinema. Yeah, and then. Um, and I, I think we're going back. One of our first ones, Adventures of Robin Hood, and he said he had to go to lots of different cinemas to see that again and again because he really enjoyed it because it was such a huge. And he remembers the posters and so it just follow the film event. around. Yeah, yeah follow the film, <laughs> follow the film around. around the different films he really liked. Oh, so okay. Anyway, t- Tarzan the Ape Man. Why Tarzan the Ape Man? Okay, Tarzan the Ape Man. Well, I my, my again. This is going back to to my father. He, Christmas times when I was young. Um, I remember at Christmas times every morning in the Christmas holidays, they'd show a Tarzan film because uh, there was 12, I think Johnny Reeson did 12 films. And on one day they'd have Tarzan the Ape Man, next Tarzan finds a boy, Tarzan finds a mate. Um, and I remember sitting there with my dad watching them. So I guess it's a bit nostalgic as well because he'd go, oh, Shawnee, we've got to watch the, uh, we've got to watch the Tarzan films. I used to see these, you know, every week. And, <laughs> and uh, I just thought, well, for, you know, it must have been in those days as well because I don't suppose people knew too much about the rest of the world you know because it had been very insular not a lot of way to get around so it probably would have seemed quite exotic and you know with the lions and yeah and elephants and things it's like whoa yeah you know so um as i say really i, I picked tars and the eight man because that was the first one but you know all the tars and films have certain merit although i did did look at a few clips the other night and you can actually see the are trapezes as he's swinging through the <laughs> through the through the jungle but, uh, trapezes made to look like vines far vines exactly <laughs> like, yeah can you tell the elephants have fake ears um <laughs> I, I've I never noticed I, really that. I, I did notice that um, they used Indian elephants yeah. rather than African elephants well, apparently the ears are fake they strapped on larger ears to make them look like the original ones did they <laughs> apparently <laughs> I wasn't there but yeah. <laughs> so yeah so this this and this would have been really exciting I think for, for people to go to the cinema and say oh wow you know it's like um, a whole other world again, yeah a whole new world you know all these all, all these alligators and things although I suppose they'd be crocodiles out there but, yeah even yeah. though like as, as Roy was saying that it was like yeah but like when you grow you're like hang on a second like you said that you see that the trapeze and you're like hang on, that was filmed on a on a back lot somewhere, somewhere. in California yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> they didn't go to <laughs> Africa <laughs> in inverted commas which I will speak to it about in a sec yeah okay but okay at this point in time we're talking about fake ears on elephants we're talking about and and although this is usually said it's bad for radio what we're gonna do is we're gonna play an excerpt from essentially the trailer from the 1932 Tarzan the Ape Man. Now, this has a whole bunch of words on the screen, so I'm going to do my best to do my best 1932, like, uh, American movies, Hollywood voiceover guy thing when this is playing. So, hang on, this is going to be, this is (laughs) the trailer for Tarzan the Ape Man 1932. Sensational news for every town and city in America! Exclamation mark. The demand of the picture public for another giant romance of primitive life and unfettered love has been answered! <laughs> Exclamation. Metro Golden Mayor brings it to you. Tarzan the Ape Man, the Trader Horn of 1932. Tarzan the Ape Man knows only the lore of the jungle. To seize what he adores. This way it gets a bit dodgy. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Many women would delight in living like Eve if they found the right to add Tarzan, what am I doing here, alone, with you? Perhaps I better not think too much about that. Not a bit afraid, not a bit sorry. It tops Trader Horn for thrills. Thank you. 
underneath you. Wild elephant stampede of the pygmy village will thrill you forever. <laughs> Johnny Weissman, America's Adonis of Swimming Champions, takes a part of Tarzan. Tarzan. Great cast includes Moina Sullivan, Neil Hamilton, and C. Aubrey Smith. Thrill follows thrill! Hold your breath for the most daring and exciting screen adventure you have ever known. Metro Golden Rays, Tarzan the Ape Man! Coming soon to Cinema Near You, rated PG-13. <laughs> I wonder if people are still thrilled by the elephant stampede of the Pygmy Village. Thrill follows thrill. <laughs> that Pygmy Village, oh, dear, oh dear. That yeah, was, actually, that was quite exciting. I like it, was, it was, I mean, will you imagine, in 1932, that would have been like, yeah, whoa, yeah. look at this, yeah. a man fighting lions. and Yeah, anyway, we have to say, if you're looking at some of those scenes, you see like the bit where he fights a lion, and yeah. you, can, you can see that that's actually a real animal yeah. jumping on a real man. Yeah. It isn't like it isn't. It. Uh, I mean, I. I imagine what by the time the eighties came around, they started putting men in like costumes, costumes. and probably had health <laughs> and safety issues and all that kind of oh, stuff. But that, say, I'm yeah. like, oh my god, that's a real lion! <laughs> jumping. Remember, not long after watching Gladiator for the first time, I checked out Demetrius and the Gladiators, which was uh, Demetrius of the Gladiators was a sequel to the Robe, Richard Burton film, and in that it's basically essentially it's the same uh, sort of film as Gladiator. And yet the lions are real. The tigers, I think, are real. And there's people being mauled by tigers on screen for our enjoyment. <laughs> it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, well, uh, okay, I'm guessing that wasn't actually Johnny Weissmuller who had that lion on him. It would have been like a stuntman or anything like that. But, well, there, there's no thing about anybody dying from a Tarzan movie. So. No. Except <laughs> no. the pygmies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is, I guess this is this is one of the dangers that we have whenever we, on this show, whenever we go back to like classic movies of yesteryear and you look at them, and I know there have been a couple that we've looked at and we've gone, ooh, mm, ooh, that's yeah, a bit that iffy. Was the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a bit iffy. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I know with Tarzan, like one of the things that I was so like a black comedian and he was talking and he was kind of going, he was talking about how on earth is the king of the jungle in deepest, darkest Africa a white man? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> that is. Yeah, yeah. But if it is, I was, I was thinking about this earlier today and I thought, okay, let's, let's try and look at this. Quite frankly, if explorers had gone to like, you know, so the whole like, the whole story of Tarzan being like an expedition finds him and they come across this this guy who's been li- who's grown up or grown up around apes and he's grown up in the jungle and becomes the king of the jungle. If this explorers had gone to deepest darkest Africa in inverted commas, you know, uh, and they found a black man ruling the country, I mean ruling the jungle, that would have been no big deal. It would have been like, oh yeah, that's probably just what they do. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's a point. It's like, it's like, oh, wow, black guys rule the jungle and, like, you know, have, and like, you know, can speak ape and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's it, really. That would have been nothing to write home about, big deal. Yeah, it wouldn't but, be called Tarzan the Ape, it would be called Steve. Steve, <laughs> yeah, probably would. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Steve, the, yeah, yeah, never mind. Uh, <laughs> here, down the road. Carry on, down the road. <laughs> It would just feel like it would just feel like that. Mm. So I mean, it's it, it is something that uh, like you were mentioning earlier. I show. was, yeah, I was talking about it because I wasn't sure, you know. With and I mean, they don't, they don't seem to show them on TV anymore. Okay, oh, so just so wondered... listeners, just in case you don't, you haven't picked it up. I'm black. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm black and, and, and they don't see African. him. And I was I was trying to wonder why, and yet it was, you know, um, I think I don't think that would have, you know, this this would have actually come into people's thoughts at the time it yeah. would have just been like a super super adventure mm-hmm. oh my goodness look at this guy he's like you know fighting animals he can talk to elephants and and chimpanzees and yeah I, I i don't think that would have even entered their mind any of those you know those those issues 
I mean, I mean, I grew up in Nigeria, and those those things never entered my mind. No, no, no. Mainly because the Africa they showed looked nothing like what I knew. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, I, was like, yeah. so I was like, wow, this place, this Africa they're talking about must be great. <laughs> because I'm like, I've I've never seen a lion. So I'm like, <laughs> but, but, but I mean, it's crocodile. You wrestled, Tyson. Well, we used to do that all. That's what we <laughs> if you want. If we needed a bag growing up, we had to go kill the crocodile to make the bag. That's that's what it was like growing up. But that's what life was we like. Did. We needed a wallet to have to kill a snake yeah. <laughs> like, yeah that's not true is it? Come on. how do you know you never bid <laughs> you're just like a 1932 cinema audience <laughs> yeah but i mean i mean back to the tarzan films i mean because i think i would say that i don't know apart from some other people but on film and tv and and shows tarzan must be one of the most um filmed and you know, televised yeah, yeah. characters of, of, of all time, I would think. Yeah, you know, well, maybe you got Sherlock Holmes, but I mean, all the films that... And it wasn't just Johnny Weissmiller. I mean, there was Gordon Scott, Lex Barker. They had the TV series in the the 70s with Ron Savage, I think his name was. Yeah, they had um, Disney, did some Disney, in the Disney, 90s. Sam, Tarzan in Manhattan. Uh, I mean... And I think, Phil Collins writes a song for you, you know, you've oh. made... You've made it, <laughs> oh, no, we're not going <laughs> Phil Collins. I, I think they were actually... I th- was it last year? There were actually two different Tarzan movies that were released. Yeah. There was like there was a live action one, and there was a there was like a sort of motion capture Tarzan. Did mm. they so, come out? I, I thought they were still on their way. Crikey! Oh no, one out. one of them was actually released. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, very, I, think, I think the cartoon version was actually. Yeah, and actually, I know they had the TV series that came from the Disney cartoon version. So it's still mm. it's still a story that still captures their imagination, and still that people are still trying to Just trying to yeah. well make money off. The, there's a good job of as well. There is one. Um, I I don't know what episode what what Tarzan film it is, but there's one where there's actual the 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 Nazis and obviously it must have been around the 40s I would think and 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 Cheetah the chimpanzee of Tarzan is is having a conversation on a mic and the um, the Germans are and listening to it and picking it up and they're going oh it's a Führer and the, 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 the monkey's talking to him it's, it's quite good I don't know which one it'll be I don't know if Jane well I was reading the, earlier that despite the fact that the, the main uh, character the main actor was actually uh, of a German background apparently Hitler wasn't a fan of the Tarzan film so that could have been why that could have been why yeah <laughs> but, the, but, but, but as I say it was one was it, what, what was it called? not Tarzan's great but one of them and it was just that there's, there's this little clip I think you can actually find it on things like YouTube where he's actually They've they've got the Germans captured the German soldiers' radio and they're talking on the mic to the like Germans that are listening and they go oh you know like they understand what's <laughs> so going it, on. So are they trying to say uh, if I'm hearing you correctly, are you saying that they essentially likened Hitler's speech to that of a chimp? Uh, I guess they did, yeah, because they would have been very. Um, <laughs> I guess the first one was made in 1932, so it would have carried on over, like you know, the war and everything like that. So like that, yeah, because because that was it. They were basically they were they were you know winning the war and, and fighting the the Nazis. So and the best form of attack is ridicule. Yes, yeah, exactly right, exactly right. <laughs> okay. So, all okay, right, thanks. cool. So, thanks, Tarzan. Children, you look like you're bursting, and like there's so much more that you could say. Oh, I could, yeah, yeah. You know, unfortunately, we do have to move on. Yep. We do have to move on with our film legend quiz. So every week, Joe comes up with a couple of clues, usually four, and maybe a couple in the uh, in the back pocket about a screen legend, and we have to try and guess before the end of the show who this person is. So, Joe, could you please tell us your first clue? Well, I apologise in advance. I'm not, I've not been that well. I've got a bit of a sore throat, so I've sounded a little bit like Smaug the Dragon this week. But the first clue. Uh, this movie legend began her career at the age of 14 after entering a beauty pageant in 1949. She appeared in several bit parts uh, and minor roles until the late 50s when she finally secured a five-picture contract with Paramount launching her international career so the key points there are uh, began her career at 14 uh, after entering a beauty pageant in 1949 Uh, the late 50s uh, was when she really made it big with a five picture contract for Paramount okay I've decided something I am never going to try and guess this thing on the first clue. No, no, no. After no. that, Joe just gets annoyed. <laughs> well, you only get it wrong so many times, can't you? <laughs> That's it. Excellent. <laughs> and so, Joe's found the, the film, is it? Tarzan Triumphs, by the way, is just that, that, that one with well, the Tarzan Joe. Triumphs yeah, is the one Triumphs where, Triumphs, so. where, where Cheetah plays Hitler. Yeah. 
So the Nazis invade the jungle with plans to conquer a people and take the wealth. Tarzan mm. saves them all. 1943. 1943. 1943 so just yeah. yeah. So ba- bang in the middle of things. All right, cool. After that, Joe, do you want to tell us what journey, what film, your journey back in time drudged up? Well, it's a bit of a one-two punch uh, with this and last week. Oh, the week before, actually. Was it the week before, was it? Yeah. Uh, the week before, we uh, pulled out one of the greatest um, Robert Mitchum roles in uh, Night of the Hunter. Today, it's out of the past. A fantastic 1947, possibly the definitive film noir. I don't know. Some people would agree. Some people would disagree. But it, it's one of the one of the greats, really. Yeah, I think people are going to fight with you. It's either, it's, you usually mention this or Double Indemnity. I think Double Indemnity has the has the sort of popular vote as, okay, if you want to see a film now and realise what film now was all about, mm. Double Indemnity. But it doesn't have Robert Mitchum, so it falls <laughs> slightly short. But it's very, very good. Uh, what, Double Indemnity? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, he doesn't. this doesn't have Barbara Stanwyck. But anyway, so this <laughs> no, is another... It has, has Jane Greer. <laughs> I'll raise you. I'll see your Barbara Stanwyck and raise you a Jane Greer. All right, cool. So this is another Robert Mich- Mitchum movie, right? Yeah, very much so. All right, so Robert Mitchum... He showed up two weeks ago when I expressed surprise that he was singing in Night of the Hunter, to which Joe replied by pointing me to this. Oh, you haven't. I have. Good. I have. Honey, come and go with me Back to the West Indies Baby, can't you see I'm losing me pep and me energy? What I need is drink the coconut water I cannot get in America. That was Robert Mitchum with Coconut Water from his album Calypso. It's just so or something like that. It's great. It's absolutely brilliant. I do own it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and I listed that, and I think that should be racist, but it it seems not to be. There's just something about it kind of works. You have Robert Mitchum, hard man of cinema, putting on like you know a faux Caribbean accent and singing about wanting to go back to the West Indies <laughs> with a song that <laughs> a song that you you listen to, and you're kind of like, wait a second, no, no, this this was definitely written to be sung by a Caribbean man. <laughs> no, no, this, is, this is Robert Mitchum telling us to drink the coconut water, <laughs> <laughs> which we can't get in America. Thanks, Robert. Yeah, no, no, no but it is because it is. It seems like somebody like him around that time might have retired there or have been there quite often or anything like that. It, Robert Mitchum, he just it does for him. It seems like something that he was speaking from firsthand experience as opposed to trying to be something else. At least I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Because well, who's going to argue with Robert Mitchum? Though, yeah, something. because I mean, think about it, right? Okay, recently we had like the UKIP Calypso. Which is something very similar. <laughs> what, do you think, what do you think about it? On the surface, it's something very similar. And probably because that's just allied with UKIP, it just comes across as the most racist thing ever. And Robert Mitchum pulls it off by just being like, hey, I'm Robert Mitchum. Disclaimer, Robert Mitchum has nothing to do with UKIP. With UKIP. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, yes, yes. So, go ahead. Um, out of the past, talk, us, talk to us about it. Well, despite uh, the, the somewhat upbeat, jolly tone, of that track <laughs> out of the past is a something somewhat different beast uh it's it, it begins you get your your um robert mitchum character who's happily living in a rather tranquil life with his with his girl down by the lake telling him how much he loves her and everything's going to be great and they're going to buy a house he actually says we're going to buy a house there and not long after some uh, uh gentlemen turn up and say um you're wanted uh, there's a, a man that you used to work for who wants to get back in touch with you wants to have a chat and Mitchum's like ah oh dear perhaps my past is catching up with me so he uh, he, he gets the girl he says jump in the car and, and off they travel to, to some unknown destination and during the car journey you get these, these flashbacks as he's telling this girl what it is that he used to do uh, and what it is that he used to do was be employed by Kirk Douglas to track down Kirk Douglas's wife who shot Kirk Douglas and made off supposedly with a load of money and it transpires that uh, um, Robert Mitchum fell in love as of course you do in a film noir with the gorgeous Jane Greer um, runs off with her and uh, annoys Kirk Douglas somewhat but it's a lot more uh, clever than that 
Kirk Douglas doesn't seem too annoyed. He seems awfully forgiving, and it seems like he wants something in return. And they head down to Acapulco and hide out, and, it, and it's great. You, you get your, your your film noir, um, typical film noir story beats, really. Yeah, I was yeah, I was, I was just about to ask about that because yeah. there, there are some things that because film noir, when you try and explain it to somebody, it's actually quite hard to get you, your head you, around. You have it. to literally say bits of plot that re that sort of. Uh, come around every every now and then. Th- yeah. things that happen quite often in, in many of the films. So I think you you've mentioned it. So film noir, you need your femme fatale. <coughs> Sorry, you, you need, need your film fatale. You need your lady. Everyone needs to love her. She needs to be able to get away with murder, somewhat uh, literally, literally yeah. quite often. Um, you need your lies, and despite the lies and usually the murder, your main leading character needs to fall in love with her. Needs to do anything for her. And and usually it's a case of you you never really know where you stand. You never really know who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, all that kind of stuff. And and the the protagonist usually ends up being a guy who is starts off pretty much straight and narrow, but then gets talked into some sort of scheme yeah. by the femme fatale. Yeah. Or or he he used to perhaps not be such a, a trustworthy character, and his past comes back to haunt him, as it does in this film. I mean, it's called Out of the Past. It's it's taking one of those well-trodden film noir story points and actually turning it into the title and, and as the main story point. The whole thing's told in flashback. Well, the most of it's told in flashback. Oh, okay, so if you can try without giving it away... Okay, Sean will be... No, no. Yeah, so if you can try without giving away any sort of like spoilers or anything like that or anything that's major to the story, what is it that this film Patel gets our protagonist into? She... <sighs> That's very tricky to say without sort of giving it away. <laughs> she she may or may not uh, have things planned out herself. Um, you you sort of see it from from poor old uh, Robert Mitchum's point of view, and it seems like she's one step ahead. And she actually ends up killing uh, someone fairly early on. It's not a spoiler to say that. And then and uh, Mitchum kind of forgives her, but they. Uh, it's very hard to say without giving it away. Yeah. But but she's in it for the long run, and she's she's. Uh, she knows what she wants, put it that way. Yeah, another thing seems to be always that in film, in film noirs, men men are dumb, women are smart, but also evil. Oh, undoubtedly, yeah. <laughs> and that just makes them all the more attractive. <laughs> so Ask sure. my wife. I was, I was just, <laughs> just going to touch on the point with, with like, um, the, the woman, because there's one, one scene in the film I really remember. Um, I won't say it's it what happened, but it's like, like two buddies that are having a bit of a falling out, and you can actually see the expression on the woman's face as though like oh you know this is this is okay she's not like shocked or anything like that oh, it's like yeah, she's, I, I know the scene is the yeah. scene where they're having a fist fight that's it they're, yeah. they're, they're having like a quite, quite a vicious fist vicious, fight vicious yeah 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 and she kind of like sits she's back. like oh, yeah, she's got just, some like, people oh, having a fight fighting over, over me, me. yeah oh, exactly nice. yeah it's that that's look puppets. isn't it so she obviously she's not like worried for a man or anything like that it's just like whoa yeah and, there's the, there's another scene. I mean, I mean, a lot of smoking in these films, isn't there? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And and there's one scene in particular. And I mean, I'm really a big fan of the Sin City films. I know they're animated, and 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 I class them as film noir, really. Yeah. Um, they're kind of neo film noir. And there's a scene, yeah, where um, um, Clive Owen is is and reminds me of of Robert Mitchum because he's got like a collar up and he's lighting a cigarette at the same time almost like the same so yeah, yeah. But, but Clive Owen spends different. a lot of the time in, in the car in Sin City just yeah. talking there's a, there's, a, there's most of the film is Robert Mitchum driving a car and this, the shot's very much the same oh, yeah. there's a great bit when uh, Robert Mitchum goes into the room and who should be there waiting for him but yeah Kirk Douglas and Kirk Douglas offers him, him a cigarette and says cigarette and Kirk, Kirk uh, Robert Mitchum's already got a cigarette and he just goes smoking because <laughs> he's already got one I love yeah. that the, the way he delivers the line, line is great it's a good there's line. also a great line on the beach where where Jane Greer's character is trying to to convince Robert Mitchum that she hasn't taken this money and that Kirk Douglas was being unpleasant to her and that she's innocent in all this and uh, Mitchum just goes baby I don't care and, and <laughs> just, well of course you don't look at her she's smoking hot <laughs> so in film noir was it usually with if Omar, is there usually like you know how you have like a Hitchcock here? You always have the Hitchcock blonde. So, do you have like a typical femme fatale? Are they usually blonde or anything like that or stuff like that? Or they they usually they can be anything really. They need, they are yeah. whatever they need to be for the role, but they're they're always always quite sort of slick. They know what's they know what yeah. going, what's going on. They're ahead one step ahead of the male characters Attractive. all the time. They they tend to smoke. Yeah, at the most uh, cinematic time possible. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter. They're they're all just not to be trusted. 
<laughs> you sound a bit that goes for life as well. Yeah, that goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember doing this thing and saying that because film noirs were especially popular, it's sort of like the forties and stuff like that. And there's this whole psychological reading into film noirs about how mm. they're all like made by men, and it's really, it's really, really informed by men's massive distrust of women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so we're all looking knowingly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's Sorry, a form, so the idea is that it's made by all these men. All these powerful Hollywood men who were extremely freaked out about women and they were like, Yeah, yeah, she might look good and you might think, Oh yeah, she loves you and everything like that, but she will kill you, she will yeah, kill you. She's she got will. the money that went missing. <laughs> you know it. Good rule for life, treat every woman like a film noir femme fatale. I would just like to point out that a Sunshine Radio and they don't make him like a loose to do not endorse any views put <laughs> forward by Mr. Joe Briscoe, that's yeah. his name. His address to follow so you can go lynch him. Hello, Grace, <laughs> love you. <laughs> Yes, he is married. Very, very forgiving woman. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, out of the past, what uh, uh, Mitchum? He's he's essentially becoming a friend of the show. I love him. I, I was going to say and there his is music. I was, I was telling Joe about this movie, and it is such a good movie that people should watch. And it's a bit like I think it's about 1973, and it's called The Friends of Eddie Coyle. Okay, must have been. I was telling you about this, wasn't I, Joe? And funny enough, one of the blurbs said that this is like a one of Robert Mitchum's best performances, like Out of the Past or Night of the Hunter, which was the other film we did. Mm. So I think you maybe check that out. I don't know if it's... Uh, oh, so you say we're, we're going to have yet another Mitchum appearance. Well, I just we think... Should, I'm we saying like this a leaderboard thing. of who shows up the most times. In the- yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, this 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 film, The Friends of Eddie Coyle, I would recommend this actually All right. as, as a really good movie. And almost, although it, it's colour and it's the 70s and it's... it's um, it is it's, quite, it's still noir. Yeah, it's still well. Yeah, I guess so. It's a crime thriller, isn't it? Crime thriller. Yeah, yeah. I remember there was yeah. a film made by uh, Vincent Minnelli, who who was try. It was essentially it looks it looks like it's an exercise in making a film noir, but in color. So because film noir usually it's just usually because sometimes just about the black and white. But anyway, sorry, I'm no. getting I'm getting off track. It's, it's <laughs> getting off track talking about film noir. <laughs> we could talk talking about Minnelli. He's never <laughs> off track. He's yeah. a genius. Oh, yeah, yeah. He hasn't shown up yet. No, that's no, right. No, no, right. I mean, no, he hasn't shown up yet. Okay, like, cool. Ideas are formulated. Although we could talk about the bad and the beautiful with Kirk Douglas back round in a circle again. Okay, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> to move us off that unceremoniously, it's time for the second clue of our movie legend. Joe. Okay. Uh, this screen legend received the Academy Award for Best Actress... The first major Academy Award for a non-English language performance, and and to an Italian actress. Hmm. Silence descends on the studio. Hmm. So, uh, the legend received the Academy Award for Best Actress. It was the first major Academy Award for a non-English language performance, and non- to an Italian actress. Well, I got one. The ones I'm thinking of, I'm thinking are too young. Yeah, I think I'm, 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 I've got one in mind. I've okay. got one in mind. All right. But I did last. <laughs> you did last time and changed it 20 well, seconds before the end. Well, no, you managed to get it last week. You got, you got Marina Loy. I got Marina Loy. I did get Marina yeah. All right. Okay, cool. So now we shall move on and... Remember a friend, Roy, right from the beginning of the show? Hello, Roy. Yay, Roy. Hello, Roy. <laughs> How you doing? Roy Prouton. I'd like to meet you. Yeah, the guy's a legend. And um, So, um, we don't just sort of pick films and talk about them. We asked him what was his, uh, well, two questions really. What was his earliest recollection of being at the cinema? He picked a film, which I think we might talk about another time. It was a James Cagney one, which um, I haven't seen. But he also picked this, as he said, this was his favorite film of all time. Favorite film of all time that he'd seen in the cinema. So here we go, Roy again. Uh, my my most favorite. Um, well, hang on a minute. Fifty five days at Peking. Fifty five days at Peking. Do you know that one? No, no, no. What was, what's well, that, it about? that was a true story about the Boxer Rebellion in the early nineteen hundreds or late eighteen hundreds in China. What happened was. In those days, all the, the, the modern countries, Britain, Germany, America, they all had their own little embassies in Peking. Yeah. And there was about 12 different, even Japanese and all. And the, the, the boxer peasants, the Chinese peasants, rebelled. 
and started slaughtering people like um, missionaries. And they and they eventually they attacked this enclave, and you had a, you had a system of all these different nationalities: Japanese, Italian, Britain, Germans, all fighting like hell to defend themselves. And it, it lasted 55 days, and then, and then they, they got relief from, you know. Mm. I'd like that because, one, it's true. Two, it had, um, what's his name, Charlton Heston, who at the time was, in my opinion, the best American actor. It had David Niven, at the time, our best actor. And they had the beautiful, what was her name? Um... Oh, I can't remember that. And yeah, they had a lot of other big actors in there as well. You know, even stage, like they're all big actors. And, you know, yeah, it's my favourite film. That's good. I need to go find that one. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's really, really good. Yeah, it's based on fact too. So there was Fifty Five Days at Peking. Sean, you want to help him out with the name uh, of the uh, actress he couldn't remember? Um, Ava Gardner. Ava Gardner. Ava yeah. Gardner. Yeah, <laughs> she was the <laughs> femme fatale. But she wasn't. Well, you know, I wouldn't call her that, but. Um, uh, this is a great movie. What a great choice! I've seen this film many, many times, um, and it's well, it's got it all really. And 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 like Anna was saying about the all the legations, they've got all the legations. All the different different countries have all got their own legations, and they're yeah. trying to, you know, guess I guess they're trying to exploit exploit China. And um, you've got these these box rebellions that that attack, and they all have to gang together. So you've got Germans in their uniforms. You got French Marines. You got um, American Marines, British soldiers, Germans, and I think, well, this is amazing. <laughs> At the very end, when they're relieved, it's just all the all the different nationalities come, and as they as as the nationalities, there's like little groups of soldiers. So you get like the the Japanese coming, and and then they all march and they all march into the relief, and it's just the, the music that plays then. It's just really, really good because it's all like the the countries, you know, the Russians, oh, oh, yeah. Germans, Americans, and the Americans come in last, and they got do 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 do. They all come and they salute, and and old Charlton Heston salute. It is 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 such a such a great movie. Okay, speaking about the music, let's play something now, and this is the German theme from Fifty Five Days uh. at Peking. Cool. So that was the German theme, as you were saying, from the end of 55 Days at Peking. Now, just um, hearing that, I haven't seen the film, but just the way you describe it, it sounds like it has similarities to like another film we spoke about, Zulu. Zulu. Um. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I mean. I mean. I've never. I've never compared the two. But yeah. I guess thinking about it. Yeah. It could be with with, with like a siege. Um. As I say, I don't remember that from the film, actually, that song. I remember the music, but I don't remember the song. Oh, yeah. that in my sleep tonight. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it is kind of catchy. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> but, um, I mean, the, there's a lot of, of great actors in it. The Empress Dowager is played by Flora Robson, and, and I think this was, this was probably her last film, but she plays such a good character. And as well as the boxers, you've got the Chinese Imperial Army. And the, there's a scene in the palace where the boxers are saying... She's got this like almost grime and worm tongue character that says, we need the Chinese Imperial Army to attack. And she's saying, well, I don't want to commit because so. But in the end, she commits the army. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't actually see that battle, but that's based on fact. That is based on fact. She was incredibly ruthless. She was. She was incredibly yeah. ruthless uh, leader. She, well, we're, talk, we're talking about the original, the the original character. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she was quite nasty. But um, so I hear that also in this film that they had that they, the, it's like most things that were made in that time and were made about a different culture, it had it skirts controversy because they said that all the all the Chinese characters, all the major Chinese characters were played by Western actors. By Western actors, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And all the, and all the Chinese extras were played by um, Chinese restaurant uh, workers. Apparently in the summer of 62, it was very hard to get a Chinese in London because they'd all been shipped over to Spain where they made the movie. <laughs> I know, interesting Seriously, fact. Yeah. Is that a little fact? Yeah. So, wait, <laughs> well, so, you Chinese restaurant. You mean you mean English Chinese restaurant workers? So yes. Yeah. No, no Chinese Chinese staff 
in Chinese restaurants, Chinese restaurants. In, in, in London during 1962. They're all uh, paid to go over to Spain, <laughs> just outside Madrid, and be the extras for this movie. I've just so got a lot this of the restaurants image. had to close. I've, just, I've actually just got this image of a head of some casting director driving around London looking for anybody who looks well, look, vaguely Southeast Asian. <laughs> you, go, you, come over here, yeah, come yeah, over here. Want to go to Spain? Great film, Charlton Heston, eh? Hey, 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 Ava So, yeah, it's like, it's so sort of like, it's used to have, like that whole idea of going, ah, oh, we need a Chinese person. Just put a white person there. No one's ever going to notice that kind of stuff. But 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 what what what's yeah what's quite interesting? We have a real the racist film, theme going on today. Yeah, is <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh dear. yeah. But uh, <laughs> there is really. I mean, there are some scenes. If you think you've got all these different nationalities and yeah. they all become like 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 <coughs> big empires, but what is quite funny is. They all go to the British Embassy and they talk to David Nivens, who's like the the, the attaché, and they're and he's like the calming. So they're saying, "Oh, we should do this," and they're sort of having a slight argument, but they all all decide to do what he goes. Oh, David Nivens, well, I think we should we should stay here, you know, and and they all pull with the sauce and they all get on, you know, they all have to work together really. So I. There, there is that side of it, but then it's I guess it's European powers against. Well, yeah, yeah, it's one of those uh, things. Like it's, it's, it's going, just, yeah, it's going. It's going to have this bias, as in looking at the Europeans. It's kind of like when we when we spoke about Zulu. I was saying about yeah, how yeah. I grew up. I grew up in Nigeria, and I was still, uh, even though I was growing, I grew up in Nigeria, I was still kind of thinking, oh wow, all those English soldiers have been so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they win this fight. <laughs> and it's, it, I guess it's 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 one of those things when you because it sounds like it's a brilliant film. Mm. I mean. I'm reading about it I'm thinking this it actually seems quite nuanced quite nuanced for its time or like it deals with like quite iffy subjects subjects but you yeah. do go into it with a with a sort of like a caveat that it's probably going to come from a western point of view, point of view it's, yeah it's probably not going to it's probably not going to look at it that much from a like a Chinese kind of well these people have invaded a country or anything like that so great film with that caveat yeah 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 and now sure. exception to the rule birth of a nation <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why give in now? Let's, let's go all the way. Come on. Well, with that caveat, well, I think "Birth of a Nation." "Birth of a Nation," I would say, is a great technical, is a great te- technical achievement, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it at that. We will not say anything about the things, but technically, filmmaking. There's a lot of techniques that were used then that are still used nowadays, and are seem as exemplary. Probably not in storytelling. Probably not in script writing. But besides that, <laughs> and in getting released in any way. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Who, who did the soundtrack to this film? It must have been someone famous, was it? I, I have the score. I really can't recall who it was. Um, um, it won't take me long to, yeah. to remember. Uh, someone, someone really famous. I think Dimitri Tiomkin. I'm going to have a guess at. It could be. It sounds, sounds like the sounds sort of like thing like he would sort do. Of stuff, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I remember. It's funny. Fifty five yeah, days at Peking. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I remember fifty five days at Peking because uh, in those days. You, you know, um, used to get out records, vinyl records of the film soundtracks, yeah, and it would yeah. just be the music. And I remember having this with with like the poster on the front, and Dad saying, "Oh, we need to listen to this." And it was that bit at the end with all the all the different. Yeah, like, I can still actually it's still in my head now. You know, with all the different nationalities. Yeah, it's, it's still there. I can still actually picture it in my head right at this very moment of them all marching across. Yeah, I imagine it must be quite a rousing scene. Yeah. Oh, but, the, but that's one I, I think I definitely have to go track oh, down. I think you'll have to track that one. You yeah. to track that down. Good movie. See Charlton Heston square into David Nevin yeah, yeah. and see how it goes. <laughs> All right. So, man, time seems to be running away from us today. It's already <laughs> time for this. Yeah, that's right, Joe. It's, it is that time. It's that time. It is that time. <laughs> right. If you haven't got it yet, listen carefully. The third clue. On working with her co-star of a few movies and romantic partner... Harry Grant. This screen legend once said, I learned many things working with Cary Grant. He has such tremendous concentration. Many actors do not have the courage to stand still. Cary Grant knows how to concentrate, how to look directly at you, but always with great relaxation. So the important bit there is probably with, uh, I'm working with her co-star and romantic partner, Cary Grant. In a few films, you see. Yeah, mm. more, more than once, let's mm. say. Italian actress. Hmm. Did she change her name when she moved to Hollywood? That is the sound of me zipping. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. (coughs) Let's carry on. 
So, every week, Sean delves into a film made after 1980s, because that is our cut of point 1980, and says, okay, this is a film that was made after 1980, but st- could still stand up up against all these classics that we talk about. So, Sean, what is today's choice? Okay, um, on the Edgar Rice Burroughs theme, uh, there's a 2012 film. Now, I think it was a Disney production, and, and I don't think it did particularly well, but I think it's a really, really good film, and that's John Carter. Okay. Um, probably... Uh, the book where he goes to Mars. He's like I can a actually hear people turning off their radios. <laughs> you did not like it. I, no, I liked it. I liked, liked it, but it. I think you, it's an unpopular it. uh, opinion. Yeah, but but yeah, there's um, some. Oh, let's see. No, John Carter's good film. Lots and lots of action. Yep. Um, I think it just wasn't probably marketed quite so well as it should have been. Mm-hmm. You know, and and being made by Disney, people thinking it's just going to be a, a family film or an action film or a Star Wars film, but some of the effects are absolutely fabulous and there's some really really great action shots and yeah. I, so Edgar Wright's Burroughs in case anybody doesn't know the guy who wrote Tarzan uh, he was the original author of Tarzan also wrote um, John Carter well originally called John Carter of Mars yeah um, the, which is which is well this film annoys me greatly does it really it yeah. annoys me greatly not because of the film oh. I actually like the film I think it's a okay. good film I, think, I, I agree that I think it's a good film what annoys me is what you said I think it was totally mismarketed mm. they t- I think they messed the whole thing up so it's for instance the book's called John Carter of Mars and for me that's a title that has some weight some weight it. yeah they should it have stuck with that yeah mm. it, it tells you John Carter of Mars and you think oh wow this is this seems like it's like a monument. It's like an event. I should go see what John Carter of Mars mm-hmm. is going to do. And they changed the title to John Carter. Sounds like a plumber, doesn't it? It could be. Well, John Carter could be Alex Cross, could be, you know, yeah, those it, sort it, of names. It's, it's just, just nothing. It's, it's nondescript. I mean, most people said John Carter because there was a character on ER called John Carter. Ah. And they're like, what the... We're going to go watch two hours of Noah Wiley walk around moping about something going wrong. And I, th- I think they just messed it up. Yeah. I, th- I think it's, and it, it just has the feeling of too many people who don't really know much about stories or film telling or anything like that, getting involved and messing everything up and just mm-hmm. throwing things out the window. And it just really, really annoys me. <laughs> so I mean, it really annoys me that when I watch the film, that I think it's a good film. And as and one of the things that's said about it, because if you search on you on Google, one of the first things you see about John Carter is a oh, $200 million flop. Yeah. Yeah, I know. This I, is, I reckon that, I think the price tag creeped them out and they thought, oh, okay, we don't want to, we don't want to, you know, go too risky with the with the marketing or aim towards one group. Let's just call it John Carter. And then people that don't like sci-fi, sci-fi might turn up and then we'll sort of appeal to everyone. And in doing so, they kind of killed themselves. Oh, they, oh, they destroyed yeah, it. They, yeah, they, I, they, I've, I am so annoyed. I'm yeah, yeah. Because so it's annoyed. good. Oh, I'm glad you guys like it too. Well, I, liked, I, mean, I did yeah. think it got a little bit wordy uh, towards the end, and I absolutely oh, don't know if I should say this. I hate Kieran Hines. <laughs> I just can't stand the guy. Whenever he comes on screen, he just can't. Really? Just can't stand him. He doesn't act. He just sits there and does this funny thing with his mouth where he makes a weird Teenage Mutant Turtle shape thing with it <laughs> and then just sort of talks. And I can't stand him. So I think he ruins everything. But, I mean, there's a lot of great actors. There's Thomas Hayden Church, who's fantastic. Willem Dafoe, yes. Samantha Morton, brilliant. Mark uh, Strong, yeah. Dominic Mark Strong, West. Yeah, he's, he turns up a lot lately, doesn't he, Mark yeah, Strong? It's got a good cast and it's got a good soundtrack. Michael Giacchino did a fantastic score for it. Um, yeah, the, the effects are fantastic. Um, there's a lot of scenes in it that look like they've been copied from other movies, when in fact it was those movies that copied it from the original stories of John Carter. I mean, there's a scene in, a, in an arena yeah. with these, these monsters that are, that are, that are uh, attacking our heroes that are chained to these um, uh, rocks. And it's a scene, it's basically the second half of Attack of the Clones, the Star yeah. Wars movie. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, Attack of the Clones took it from John Carter. Yeah. So I think people said that, that was part of the problem as well, that people looked at it and they thought, oh, this is just some derivative piece of nonsense. Yeah. When yeah. actually it was the inspiration behind a lot of the things that we've seen already. I think that got lost in the marketing and it should have been made a yeah. thing. Oh, I'm so annoyed. I want to find the people who marketed that film yeah. and punch them. Mm. <laughs> seriously, seriously. Because they also killed the chance of ever getting the second one. Second one made. Yeah, they, they killed mm, the chance. Tragic. I actually like the whole book-ended bits, you know, with him almost... almost I mean, another thing, Avatar. Yeah. I mean, Avatar took that whole concept of being in one place and yet having yourself projected it into another place uh-huh. and ran with it and turned it into the highest grossing movie of all time. It looked a bit like John Car- Carter uh, copied that. But of course, it, no. No, it was, the, it was the other way around. It's, it's yeah, so it's, I think, one of, one of, the, trage- one of the tragedies of modern filmmaking, I think, is yeah. the way is way John Carter did that. So in, in honor of John Carter, let's play a theme. 
from the movie John Carter. Almost sounds like a funeral dirge for what these marketers did to this film. Uh, that was from the soundtrack of John Carter. Who was the composer again, Joe? Michael Giacchino. Ah, yes, Michael Giacchino. And well, it's doing the soundtrack for the new Jurassic Park film, Jurassic World. Mm. Taking John Williams' themes and playing with them. Now, without further ado. Okay. Now is the t- moment of reckoning. Fourth and final clue. This one will do it. This will be the one that will do it, I think. In 1964... This screen legend's career reached its pinnacle when she received $1 million to appear alongside Stephen Boyd, Alec Guinness, James Mason and Christopher Plummer in the box office failure, The Fall of the Roman Empire. No? No? Oh, I'm surprised. Well, that I, was... I, I never guessed the stick from just the way like... it was going, but I, 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 I mean, I'm going to have a go. Was it my original choice? I thought that would have clinched it. That was quite a well-known film. It was like one of the last sort of I remember seeing epics that. of the time. Remember seeing got an, so got an Oscar for playing a foreign language movie, first for an Italian actress. I'm going to... I'm going to read that first clue again. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, appeared in several bit parts. No, the second clue was the uh, uh, Academy Award. Screen legend received the Academy Award for Best Actress was the first major Academy Award for a non-English language performance and to an Italian actress. Oh, okay, I see what you did there. Oh, <coughs> um, I'm going to... Okay, I'm, I'm going I've, to... I've got one. It's the I've same got one. It's no, I'm, I'm just going to... Same one I chose last week, it. but I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to keep saying it until it's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I will never I, I, choose it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying okay. it until it's right. It's going to be my go-to answer. Well, Even if it's a man, it will be my go-to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a gamble at, um, I don't know, Sophia Loren. I'm gonna go with Ingrid Bergman. Sean has it again. No way! It's in. No way! <laughs> That's impressive, Sean. <laughs> Thank That's you. Very impressive. I was thinking Sophia Loren, but I can't remember. How, I don't, I don't. She was with Cary Grant. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah during Houseboat, um, and uh, then she went back to chat but they were together for a long time quite deeply in love it it was that last clue actually because I can see that at the end he's like they're like strapped up against a pillar ready to get I thought if anyone was going to do that he's like yeah so I could see it now I did actually think when you said 14 and a a beauty pageant Ah, because when they thought Italian actress I was thinking it was either going to be Anita Ekberg or um Sophia Loren. I was like, that's the only Italian actress I can think of. But then when you said that the first one to be handed to her, I was like, she collected it, but that doesn't mean that she won it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, so it. well done, well done, well done. Catching <laughs> well, me out sure. with English. <laughs> so, anyway, people, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, we will be back again next week when we shall be doing a Christmas special, talking about Christmas movies of yesteryear and of today with ones that we think are good. And we'll also be coming to the hospital to ask you guys, what are your favorite um what are your favorite Christmas movies? Until then, get well soon. We hope you get out of the hospital, listen to your doctors, and please, as always, remember that they do not make them like they used to. So we've almost run out of time. No, not yet. Wait a second. Yes. Hmm, this is really weird. Sorry. Anyway, I found out we have a little more time than we thought we did. Oh, okay. Sean, come back. Come back. <laughs> yeah, no, no, okay. no Sean's gone. Well, he well, stormed off. He said, yeah. he said Sophia Loren. He's Sophia <laughs> Loren, yeah, well, what a babe. Any femme, did she ever play any femme for a tail part? So I don't think she... Well, she I don't think so. No, I don't think Sophia so. Sophia Loren, no, no. She was she was more so conventionally romantic, I, I would say. I tell you, what did you think of... Um, there's a film... Oh, what was it? LA, LA Confidential uh, that came out was yeah, that yeah. Who, uh, but she's blonde in that isn't she the femme fatale <coughs> mm. it's Kim Basinger oh yeah Kim, Kim Basinger. Basinger that's it yeah yeah how did you rate that one 
It's, it's right. Yeah, it's good. I quite like Curtis Hanson. I think he's quite quali- quite quality uh, filmmaker. So yeah. Okay, and now after that full start, right. we're actually out of time. Okay. Okay. Bye, then. See so, you later, everyone. See you later, and and all in three. Let's do it. One, two, three. They, they don't, don't make them like they, they used, used to. to. We'll try that again next week.